Wasn't that a great baptism service? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Mike Jennings stopped me in the back and he said, that's a first. I never saw that happen before. He said, did you know anything about that? No, I did. I appreciate what God is doing. I'm telling you that there is an awakening that's coming to this nation and around the world. Here's, here's what people don't like too much about the awakening. I, how many of you have ever been awakened before by someone, you know? <clears throat> what happens when you get awakened You get shook. Dad used to come and wake me up, and he would shake me. So the Scripture said that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that those things that remain are those things that can't be shaken. I'm telling you that America needs to come back to God. And you, you need to understand something about God. God is so intent on us coming to him and not losing us, that he'll do whatever it takes to reach out and bring us to him. Everybody say, let it happen. So if you get a little bit of shaking going on, it won't be the first time in your life you've been shaken. How many of you have ever, how many of you were ever shaken by sin? Things, things in your life that happened that shook you. Here's the thing is that when God shakes you, it's a whole different type of shaking, isn't it? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of John. Oh, we've got baby dedications next week, and the babies are on display today. <laughs> uh, this is Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 to 11. And now this is Caleb speaking. And now behold... The Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. Everybody say 85. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. We just ask you to have your way today, God. Speak to our hearts, Father, and let that awakening happen in us. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on this topic. I will never be over the hill. Say it with me. I will never be over the hill. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. When, let, me, let me take you where we're at. The, Israel has come out of Egypt after having been 430 years there in bondage. But all those 430 years weren't spent in bondage. Joseph saved, well, actually, God, through Joseph, saved the life of of the entire country of Egypt. How many times do you know that God has saved your life, spared your life? You know, it may have been a close encounter, a close call and an accident, and, and all of a sudden God just 
spared you. I, I had, I, I've shared with you before, I had him wake me up right before I hit a utility pole by calling my name. And when he did, I pulled back in my lane and it was so real, I looked beside me to find out who had climbed in the truck with me. I'm glad that he's an ever-present help in a time of need, aren't you? That when we need him, he's there for us if we recognize him and call on his name. So they're brought out of Egypt by Moses, and they're headed to a land that had been promised to Abraham, a land that flowed with milk and honey. The Scripture talks about that land, and when Moses sent spies in there, when they went in to search the land out, this is what they found. They found a grape uh, or a, a thing of hello back there. They found a thing. Oh, you're on the wrong one, guys. There we go. All right. This is, we're, we've got a brand new toy, and we're trying to figure out how it works. All right. So they went in, and they found a—now, think about this, because this is a reality. They said that, that they found a cluster of grapes that was so large that it took two men to carry it. They carried it between them. Lisa, when's the last time you were in the grocery store and had to holler at your mom to help you pack some grapes? It just never happened, did it? You know, I, I'm talking, th this isn't just an extraordinary place. That, I mean, a, an ordinary place. This is an extraordinary place. It's a place that God has promised us. Can I give you a preview of what's to come? Paul said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. Those joys, those things that have been prepared for those that love him. Do you understand that heaven... <clears throat> <laughs> Maybe it's because I've traveled in so many places and when right before I would get ready to go into a new place, I would have this anticipation well up in my spirit and I'd try and find out about that place and I'd begin to try and imagine it and, and I, I, I try. Why is it uh, that we talk about wanting, you know, that we want to make heaven our home but everybody's afraid to go? Well, come on, pastor. I mean, are you taking up a busload today? What I'm saying is this, I'm not in any hurry to leave this life, but this life doesn't have any hold on me when it comes to the next one. Do you understand if he comes and he says, look, do you want to go to heaven? Now, this happened with Debbie's dad, literally happened with him. He had a heart attack. He went in and they, they got him back. He, they lost him the second time. And the second time they had to hit him, I think it was two or three times, three times before they got him back. Well, when he came out of that, he told this story. He didn't even know this was happening to him. What, he, what was going on in him, he said, I was standing at a race raging river. And he said, I was looking at it. And he said, I was right at the edge of it and, and was supposed to, I, I, there was something that was saying, you're supposed to cross. He said, I saw a man on the other side and he called over to me and he said, do I need to come and help you over? And he, and her dad looked across and he said, I don't think I want to do this right now. Then he said, okay, but I'll be here for you when you're ready. <laughs> I'm telling you that God does not leave us. He says, not forsake us, but he's there every step of the way with us. And when death knocks on our door, we're not going to have to be frightened or fearful because we will not cross that river alone. 
They go into this land and they see these, this fruit of this land and Joshua and Caleb come out and they come out. Have you ever seen, have you ever been with someone and you both saw the same thing and came away telling two different stories? You know what I'm talking about? That's, I get, one of the things that I really get excited about is that, uh, well, I say excited about, I, I enjoy a lot, is when we, we sit around with the family and we'll start talking about mission trips. And my kids start giving their perspective of mission trips. And I'm standing there with my mouth open. I said, when did that happen? When did I find out that I found out there's all kinds of stuff going on on that mission trip I didn't know anything about. <laughs> Because they were, they, their eyes were focused on something different. And so they're telling it from their perspective and I'm looking at it. And so I, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm thinking, man, I wish I'd have seen that trip through their eyes. <laughs> Think about this. They go in and they go into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And when they come back to give a report, Joshua and Caleb come out and they said, let us go up at once and possess the land. For if the Lord delight in us, we're more than able to take it. And the other 10 stood up and said, man, what are you talking about? You, you don't even know what you're talking about. There are giants in that land. We can't go. Yeah, the fruit's there and everything's there just like God promised, but we can't have it. Do you ever want to shove a sock in somebody's mouth? Do you, you understand what I'm talking about? It's like, do you ever have your children open their mouth when they should have not? We had a lady that used to come across the street and borrow our can, over, can opener all the time. This is back in the 60s, folks, so we're going to go retro today. And she would, she, she would come, and she would borrow our can opener, and she'd open her cans, and she would walk through our living room and drip all the juice out of her green beans <laughs> across our carpet. And Dad is at the grocery store, and Dad gets a can opener, and he said, I'm going to get this can opener for Tressie. I am sick and tired of her dripping her green bean juice all over our living room. So we get home, and Daryl shoots across the street. You know, they're all getting ready to walk across the street and present Tressie with her gift. And we're walk, they're walking across the street, and Daryl got in front of everybody and ran in her house first and said, Tressie, my dad got you a can opener because he said he's sick and tired of you dripping your green bean juice all over our floor. My mom looked at him and said, Daryl, your daddy never said no such a thing. And then dad walked in with a can opener. <laughs> Some things are better left unsaid. Can I, can I give you a hint to the wise? If you're dealing with fear, don't declare it. If you've, got, if you've got anxiety that's coming up in your heart, do not give voice to it. Because the Bible said that we're snared by the words of our mouth, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That is not written in Scripture as just a proverb to look at. That, my friend, is a truth to live by. Because once you speak it out, you've given the enemy something to use against you. If you don't believe it, ask Joshua and Caleb. They tried to get those people to be quiet. They, they tried to settle them down. They spoke up and they said, look, if God is for us, then the enemy is bred to us. 
And then they got, so, they got that congregation so mad that they spoke of stoning Joshua and Caleb, and God showed up. And this is what God did. He said, you said that I can't give you the land, so guess what? I'm not going to. I'm going to give it to your sons and your daughters. But for you, you're going to be sentenced to wander in the wilderness one year for every day that you spent looking at the promise of God and not believing it could be yours. Forty days in the promised land, 40 years in the wilderness. Don't you know that those people wished that they could have taken it back? As a matter of fact, they tried to. They all went running up there and they said, no, 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 we believe now, we believe now. They took off running and they, Moses was warned, don't go, man, because God's not with you. They went and they got slaughtered. Do you understand? God is the one that gives us the victory. And if they would have trusted God and believed God, even when it looked like it was impossible, he delights to do the impossible. Amen? And so Caleb has wandered around this wilderness for some 40 years now, and he's at 85. He's never forgotten something that the Lord promised him. When the Lord spoke to Moses and said, every one of those people, everybody that was born from 40 years old and over is going to die in this wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. He said, because they believed. And he said, so because they believed. And then he promises Caleb an inheritance. Caleb never forgot that. And at 85 years old, he walked up to Joshua and he said, give me my mountain. He said, I'm, I'm, I was 40 then, I'm 85 now. He said, but I'm as strong now as I was then. How many of you have ever felt that way? <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm over 40. <laughs> but do you know what? I don't act like it. Ask my wife. Well, you can't, you can't do that. Paul was in here one day. We, we were doing all these lights and all that, and Paul was in here, and, and Paul looked at me and he said, what are you doing? Because I, I couldn't reach that thing over there from that lift, so I climbed up, and I was walking up in the rafters, and he goes, what are you doing up there? Come down from there. I don't think, are Paul, are you in here? Yeah, see, he didn't stay around. What, what are you saying? I'm saying that I think I was making him nervous. How many of you have ever had somebody make you nervous? When, you know, what I'm talking about. But it's like, it's like in my mind, I'm thinking, I can still do that. I can still do, I can still do that. I got on the softball team. I can still do that. Tore my hamstring. <laughs> I can still do it. I just need to stretch first. Here's the point. Is you can't get this idea that you're over the hill. Caleb never got over the hill that God showed him would be his inheritance. He never got over that hill. Can I tell you that there's a man by the name of Abraham that never got over a hill. He went into a land that was called Moriah because God told him to. And he said, I'm going to show you a mount 
a hill of you will. And on that place, I want you to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And he walked up there, and he walked up there with faith and determined. How do you know he had faith? Because the book of Hebrews said that Abraham that believed that if he took Isaac's life, God was going to raise him up from the dead. What are you talking about? Do you understand? Abraham is locked in. I've been a hundred years waiting on this boy. And if God, you're telling me to offer him as a sacrifice, then I know that you're going to raise him back up because your promises are yay and amen. Just because you're facing something you don't understand doesn't mean you ought to abandon ship and throw in the towel and give up sometimes you gotta get up and say God I still believe you I'm not going to quit I'm not giving up on the promise I'm not going to get over the hill I'm going to stand on the promise of God and lock into it and hold on with everything that I have his son looked at him on that trek up that hill that mountain and he said, Father, he said, I see the wood and the fire for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? <laughs> I don't know if all of a sudden the Spirit of God came over him. I just know that what he uttered out of his mouth would have a profound impact on the rest of the world for eons to come. He looked at Isaac and he said, my son... God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. And when he drew that knife back to come down on that boy, an angel stopped him and said, don't touch that child because now God knows that you will not hold anything back from him. Now listen to me just a second because we say, well, how could God ever ask us to sacrifice our child? Let's put it in modern times because we sacrifice our children one way or the other. We either sacrifice them as offering them to God. Like when to next week with these baby dedications. Honey, hold on to your jewelry. <laughs> these baby dedications. Oh, sorry. I'll be with you all in a minute. <laughs> with these baby dedications, that's what, the, that's what these mamas are going to do. They're offering their children back to God. It's like that sacrifice to God. We want you to care for our children. We're giving them to you. Or... We offer them to the world, and we don't take them to church, and we don't keep them in church, and then we wonder why they're not living for God when they get older. You've got a responsibility. You've got an, a window of opportunity to create a foundation for your children, and if you haven't done that, don't give up. I'm telling you that God is able to redeem the time. He can give you back what you feel like you've lost, but you've got to get committed to him. Everybody say committed. Well, when they went on up there, the angel stopped him. All of a sudden, over his shoulder, there's a ram caught in a thicket. Everybody say a ram. It's not a lamb. It's a ram. Because God was still going to provide himself a lamb. Abraham looked, don't you know he rejoiced 
I mean, he knew he was going to come down off of that mountain with that boy because he'd already told his servants. He said, me and my son, we're going up there, but we're going to come back down to you, so you just stay put. I don't know how long I'm going to have to stay there to get my miracle, but I'm not coming off of this mountain until I do. And then when he found that ram and he offered it, he called on the name of the Lord, and he called him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Now catch this phrase. He said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Say it with me. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Can I tell you that Abraham never got over that hill? He never got over that place in Moriah that he had offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now fast forward with me because neither did David. David commands his son Solomon to build the temple where? On Moriah on Mount Moriah. He builds that temple there. He didn't just tell Solomon how to build it. He told him where to build it. And today, if you go to that place, what you'll find there is the Dome of the Rock. In that same spot where Solomon's temple was, now is the Dome of the Rock. How many of you have ever been there? Anybody? If you've ever been there and if you go inside, you know what you're going to find inside that place that's, that's separated off, that's kept back? There's a rock there. And that rock is believed to be a place where they offered sacrifice and there was a hollowed out spot where they think that the Ark of the Covenant sat. And, and so that's, to them, that's the holiest place on earth. But not to me. You see, there's another hill I can't get over. It's called Golgotha. It's referred to as the place of the skull. The picture that you're looking at right now is from where that, what that's like today. That was taken several years ago, but that's where it's at today. And as I was in the garden tomb and I was looking across and that's what I saw, I looked across, can you make the face out of that rock? Can you, can you see that? Doesn't it kind of look like a skull to you? But here's the big thing. That, that, that's one thing, all right? But what got me was I'm looking at that, and I'm looking across, and I look. If you See, this is north of the Dome of the Rock. It's north of the place where the temple set. Because if you look, do you understand that sacrifices were typically always offered at the highest spot? That's why when you read the Old Testament, you read about that, that you know, that the, the high places, that it was at the highest spot. And if you look at the Dome of the Rock and you go northward, there is a slight elevation that begins to take place. And as I'm standing there and I'm looking from the garden tomb and I look over at this place and I'm looking back toward the temple and I said, is this part... Is this part of Moriah? Because the temple is built on Moriah. And the guy looked at me and he said, yes, it is. As a matter of fact, it's the corner of Moriah. And the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Can I tell you that as long as there's a Calvary, I'm going to never be over the hill. When I look and I remember the pain that he went through and the suffering that he went through so that I could have life and have it more 
more abundantly. Uh, you need to understand I'm going to get excited about it. Uh, I'm going to declare it. No, not just because he died there, but because there's an empty tomb uh, that declares he's alive. Uh, he's well. Uh, he has risen. So from now until I draw my last breath, I will never be over the hill. I'll never be over what he did at Calvary. There's a song that extends way back to the 70s. And it said, here's a line of it. Now it may be the truth, I'm getting over my youth but I'll never be over the hill. I'll never be over Calvary. Would you stand with me today? One of the things that troubles me, I had a young man that came in this week that I talked to. He was supposed to be here for baptism, but he didn't make it, and he was talking to me, and he said, I just get, you know, all, all all these religions. He said, you know, I think one's just as good as the other. And I looked at him, I said, young man, I said, you need to understand something. I said, I'm really not into religion, but I am sure wrapped up in relationship. And I said, and let me share with you the difference. <laughs> Because while every religion in the world demands its pound of flesh from you, what the scripture tells us is this isn't about something we did. This is about what he did on that hill. This is about what he did at Calvary's cross. And you can't find your way to heaven any other way except through Jesus. Somebody say, only through Jesus. I I don't ever want us to get to a place where we're just doing things out of habit or out of routine because routines can become mundane. How many of you ever, how many of you shave this morning? Wave your hand if you shave. Wave your hand. It doesn't have to be your face. It could have been your legs. What, what are you getting at? Well, I, I was at a youth camp preaching several years ago, and I got up and, in front of the congregation, and I lathered up and started shaving. And that place liked to come apart. I said, I don't get it. What are you getting so excited about? What, what, what's everybody in such an uproar about? I said, I do this every day. To me, it's just become a routine. But when you take your routine out of where it normally happens, then it's not ordinary anymore. It becomes extraordinary. Oh, we come to church every Sunday. <laughs> And every Sunday we clap our hands and we sing the songs of Zion and thank God for the praise and worship team. Give them a hand for how they bring us into the presence of God. But, but can I tell you the truth? That's why we went and got another sound system. 
Because I, 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 that's kind of ordinary, isn't it? I mean, kind of like every Sunday, usually people show up at church and, you know, and, and praise and worship goes on. But I thought, what would happen if we took our praise and worship into some prisons? I can tell you what happened. Those prisoners stood up, started raising their hands, giving their hearts to God. That's what happens when you never get over the hill. When you make up your mind that I'm not going to let this become some mundane routine to me, but it's going to live inside of me, I'm going to think about him, I'm going to declare him, I'm going to share him everywhere I go. How many of you are ready to do some sharing? Now, this is what I want to do real quick. If you're in here as the praise team, the praise team, as the prayer team comes up, when you're in, you guys are praise team too. If you're in here and you've never given your heart to God, I'm not going to ask anybody to close their eyes so you can sneak up here. It's a personal thing with me. I always thought about how are you ever going to serve God if you need everybody to close their eyes so you can slip up here and then live for Him out there? You know, if it's real, when I got saved, man, folks thought I'd flipped out. I grabbed a bullhorn. I was riding all over the place. I had a bullhorn tied to the back of my Jeep yelling, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I had Debbie's brother run and lock himself in his bedroom. It's a true story. He thought, what was going on? And to tell you the truth, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I felt something in me that I'd never felt in my life. That there was a joy that was bubbling up inside of me. There was something real that had apprehended my life and I wanted to share him with everybody. And that hasn't changed. I'm still not over the hill. If you're here and you haven't made that commitment or you need to recommit, Samantha made a recommitment today to God, man. Give her a hand. Aren't you excited for what happened in her life? For everybody that gave their heart to God that was baptized today, we cheer for you. We thank God for you and for the step that you've taken. For those of you that maybe haven't taken that step yet or you've taken it, and you found yourself stepping back, I want to invite you to come right now and make a fresh declaration that God, I'm never going to be over the hill. I'm never going to be over what you've done for me. Come on in. Come on, just stretch your hands to heaven as they're praying for these. Thank God. Come on. Thank God. Thank God. You know what it's like to sit in a pew and think, well, what will people say? Thank God for the day you make up your mind. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to make my commitment right now in the name of Jesus. Come down here real quick. There's somebody I want you to pray for right over in that corner. Give Gary a hand as he's coming right now. No, you're not slipping. <laughs> Go on. Come on. Come on up here. He told me, he kept, we, we, we're going to do this together. 50 years, right? Been about 50 years since he was at the church. And he told me the other day, he said, I'm going to make that walk one day. <laughs> I'll never, never be over the hill. Father, I thank you for Gary today. Come on, sing it, guys.
like a rushing wind. Now, I want you right where you're at, as these continue to pray, right where you're at, stretch your hands to heaven with me. How many of you want God to use you? So hold the hand. Now, don't pray this if you don't want it to happen, because it'll happen. I prayed for a double portion one time, and I found out, never say that if you don't want it. <laughs> I didn't know who I was for a day and a half, man. Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. This is what I want you to do. I want you to say, God, come on, say it with me. God, here I am. I got over puberty. I got over, I I, I got over some depression. I, I got over some pain. But God, I'll never be over you. I'll never be. And I'm asking you right now to use me. I'm asking you to stir up the gift that you've placed inside of me. And everywhere I go, let me declare that you're alive and well. Let me bring hope and not despair. Let me bring faith and not doubt. Let me be the reason that people come to know you. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing it now. to walk out of here I want you to take somebody by the hand and just grab somebody by the hand and say I am not leaving the way I came (laughs) I'm fired up I got my mind made up Jesus is alive and well and I'm going to tell somebody as a matter of fact I might tell everybody hey stretch up say Father we love you we declare your goodness and your grace for a thousand generations Lord, let us speak your name. Let us have boldness to move forward. We give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Let him use you this week. Declare his goodness everywhere you go.